Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the March 3rd, 2020 edition of Ask a Voter. We made it, folks. It's an historic three-month adjustment to California's primary with lots on our ballot besides presidential candidates. Factoids galore, California has 415 delegates for the Democratic presidential nominee. The races within Orange County, many of which we've covered right here on Ask a Leader, include Orange County Board of Supervisors, Districts 1 and 3, 3 is where we are, House of Representative Districts 38, 39, 45, where we are, 47, 48, and 49, State Senate Districts 29 and 37, where we are, State Assembly District 68, 69, 72, 73, and 74, where we are, Orange County Board of Education areas 1, 3, where we are, and 4. Today's show, we're all over the political spectrum, folks with history, intention, and ideas for our deliberation. Lai Seng Se Chao, Asian Pacific Environmental Network political director, and she's also, we're, we're going we're gonna to bring up She the People because she's affiliated with them. Then Alan Beek, retired computer designer, Nixon campaigner, current radio KPFK board member, Alex Loniak, Orange Coast College president of Young Republicans, Sophie Prettyman Bochamp, and Angelica Sheen, radio KUCI DJs and colleagues of mine and their UCI graduates. And then wrapping it up is Randy Liaz, Better Angels, California director. After station break, we'll be back with Lysing Seichao. Welcome back to the show. My first guest is on Ask a Voter is Lysing Se Chao. It's an important context about her activism is her having grown up in a toxic hotspot in Richmond, California, a community dealing with poverty, violence, and environmental injustice. This sparked her commitment to social justice inside and outside of the classroom. Lysing completed her Bachelor's of Arts at Scripps College with a degree in politics and international relations. She currently is the political director at the Asian Pacific Environmental Network. And I was acquainted with her through her participation as one of the six dynamos collaborating from organizations around across the country with She the People campaign in this 2020 election cycle. She comes to us today from Oakland. If her phone blows up during this interview, she'll have to put us on a royal hold. Welcome to Ask a Voter, Lysing Seicho. Seicho. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. Well, this is my classic election coverage. I'm not Ask a Leader. I'm becoming Ask a Voter when my show, Tuesdays always, lands on an election day. And I bring together all kinds of really remarkable people and all over the spectrum, as I said in the introduction, I ask the same question so everybody can get a get the lowdown. When, Lysang, did you first register to vote and what were the circumstances at that time? Yeah, so um, I remember the first time I registered to vote um, was in college. And, you know, um, I grew up in Richmond, California, like you shared, and my parents are actually Mian refugees, and so they had come from Laos back in the 80s. 
Um, and a lot of the time when they came here, they actually didn't know any English, and so they only spoke Mian. And so growing up, I always translated everything from Mian to English. And, um, you know, I really saw that they weren't, they didn't really vote. They hadn't been, um, like we didn't talk about politics or the elections at home. Um, but as I grew up, I realized what an important part of our democracy that is and how so many of these people were really left out, um, not because they didn't want to be engaged, but because they didn't necessarily have the um, in-language communication or culturally competent communication. Okay. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of the first moment where I was like, wow, I see this really big gap, and I really want to be involved. And so I registered to vote when I was in college. Um, I think a friend had come and brought me registration forms. Um, and it was just so exciting to cast my first ballot and from there just learn so much more about all of the different elections, not just the presidential election. Um, and, you know, I really saw that growing up in Richmond, so many corporations actually buy out our elections even locally and so that was something that I knew I wanted to change and be involved in and so I got really excited about civic engagement work and about um, politics and I decided that my major was going to be politics and international relations. So you've been in Richmond at a really interesting time. I mean I, I certainly want to know that your family were looking over your shoulder with your ballot. They did, they were not were they naturalized eventually? So you were all voting? Yeah, so yeah, um, I was actually able to then register my family members, which was really exciting yes. after I had started doing it and talk to them about the process. And it, it was been such a great experience to share with them some of the things I care about and hear yes. what they care about as well. And so that was really exciting. I can imagine. So, and you've been active politically in Richmond at a really interesting time. We did have a chance to interview Steve Early several years ago with the, the Refinery Town book that he published, and it talks about this remarkable grassroots, I mean, it's the success story in the country of grassroots, uh, it's bottom-up kind of leadership. So you were maybe imprinted by what they were able to accomplish there on the municipal level. Yeah, exactly. You know, grow, um, that when we were really starting APEN, the Asian Pacific Environmental Network, we really started with a community-based organizing principle. And so our model is really that our members actually are leading um, the fight for our movement. And so we really have a huge emphasis on making sure that they actually help figure out what our priorities are for the organization, um, which is something I really love, these community members thinking about the policy ideas they want to push, thinking about how they want to further civic engagement work. And so we really knew that we needed to be involved in civic engagement. And so um, that was something that was grown out of that um, idea of our members wanting to be involved. And so why are you voting today, Lysang? Yeah, well, I feel like I'm voting today to really put my values forward um, and be able to find candidates who can help move that forward but while also reminding elected officials that they're actually accountable to us, to us people. Um, oftentimes, you know, we've seen that a lot of there's a disconnect between the community members and the voters that we talk to every year. So APEN, we talked to about 70,000 Asian American voters in language about the elections. And it's shocking, really, to hear that 75% of them, that's like three in every four of them, have never actually been outreached to, um, which is just mind-boggling because these are people who 
are so much a part of our um, community and are being completely ignored. And so that's why APEN's work has been really important moving that. Um, and to remind these voters that, yeah, their voice is important, and they actually are the ones to hold these folks accountable. And that's who our elected officials should be listening to, not just at City Hall, but really at the state capitol at all levels. And so for us, um, voting today is just me doing that individually and also reminding elected officials that um, they have to be held accountable to us. And if folks, if you're just listening, you're listening to a special edition of Ask a Voter. My guest is Lysing Se Chow, and she is the director there at the Asian Pacific Environmental Network. And I wanted to know, so does she, the people, in, as women of color that are really buttoned down, sophisticated organizing, are they providing some kind of tailwinds in coalescing and techniques that can help you with that deficit of, the, of that 75% of the Asian Pacific Islanders that have not been connected with in campaigns? Yeah, so I think the one really great thing about She the People is that it's really talking about how women, women of color, really need to be in decision-making power, and that has been really exciting. And I think for us, you know, at APEN, we've been just doing the work to bring in these communities, to bring in these voters every year. We, regardless of whether it's an election year or not, we are talking to them about different issues that relate to them, you know. They're concerned about climate change. They're concerned about health care. They're concerned about education and poverty and, you know, xenophobia and racism. And so these are the things that, even if it's not an election year, we are talking to them about different issues and getting their input about what is their priority, what are the things they care about, what do they want to see in um, change. And so I think talking to them every year, we've realized that, you know, elections work is not just on the election year, but really ongoing. And it's a part of building really deep democracy and true democracy. So tell us what strikes you as different with this three months ahead of the usual ritual in California with the state primary? Yeah, well, I think, one, it's a big change. <laughs> it's mm. a definitely a different, you know, rather than having it in the summer. And I think for me, I've seen just a lot of excitement. I feel like people feel really mobilized because they feel like they're being on Super Tuesday, their vote makes more of a difference. And that California, which is a state that is so incredibly diverse, can't be ignored. And so I think that that has been really exciting to see people are just really getting mobilized outside on the streets and I'm seeing people say that this is their first time you know actually going to volunteer and so I'm seeing a lot of that energy and I feel like it's also becoming clear that not just within our community but beyond it that you can't win in California without winning over communities of color and so I think that that has been really really exciting to see this year. Well, I don't know. Were you down here last September at in Costa Mesa when the Asians Rising Forum was going on? No, I don't okay. think I was out there. That was that that, that was all about the activism, and uh, it was a very remarkable. And so that we'll we'll make sure that uh, I think some of the leadership was redirected from that. But I just wanted to see whether that that provided any bigger boost for what APEN's doing. Well, I want to thank you. I'll just give the the URL to A P E N four the letter four ej.org that you can follow Lysing Seichow's organization folks. So, well, I want to thank you for taking the time because this this is like the worst time a radio public affairs host could ask activists to step up is when they're getting out the vote on the election day. And I, all that said, I want to thank you for making that time for us to be on the show today. Thanks so much. 
Thanks. Lysing. Take care. My guest was Lysing Seichau, Asian Pacific Environmental Network State Director. We'll be right back after station break with Alan Beek with his wicked political reversal. Don't go away. That was Nadine Sierra, and that is the Leonard Bernstein Take Care of This House from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So now we're going to bring on Alan Beek, who's got a really interesting bio. And he's a 92-year resident of Newport Beach who graduated from Caltech in physics, had a full career of designing computers, whose family has kept that quaint Balboa ferry running, is now tackling climate change, and is a proud blood donor with a perfect antigen profile that saved the life of a young girl with a rare disease many years ago. Alan is currently serving on the board of Radio KPFK. He must rescue it from itself. He comes to us today from his home in Newport Beach, Welcome to Ask a Voter, Alan Beek. Good morning. I'm so glad to have you on. I just want to ask you the questions that I ask all of my Ask a Voter guests on every election. Alan Beek, when did you first register to vote, and what were the circumstances at that time? That was in 1948, when Harry Truman was president because Franklin Roosevelt had died. Harry had had to make the decision to drop the atomic bomb on Japan. Now he was running for re-election against Tom Dewey. Harry went on the campaign trail very much with the same story that Bernie Sanders uses nowadays, speaking for the people of the country that were having a hard time, and that all his appearances, somebody in the crowd would always yell, Give him hell, Harry. <laughs> and he did. Okay, those were the that those are the circumstances. So why are you voting today, Alan Beek? Well, I'll be voting for Bernie Sanders because he represents all the right ideas. And what else on what what are the substantive areas that bring you to the to the primary today? Well, there's the chance to elect a uh, a delegate from California that will nominate Bernie when it comes time to have the Democratic Convention and do some nominating. And there were some different uh, resolutions. There's the House resolution on climate change, as we talked in preparation. Why don't you unpackage some of the policies that draw you to voting today? <laughs> well, climate change is, of course, the most awful problem facing us. We have a series of problems, and that's the very worst because it threatens uh, the existence of our whole species. And fortunately, there is a bill in the Congress to do something about it. House Resolution 763 would cut down the production of carbon and encourage alternate uses, alternate sources of energy. And that's a bipartisan bill. It has Republicans and Democrats both working on it. 
and so I certainly hope we'll get enough votes to get it passed. Unfortunately, it's got some competition from this Green New Deal thing, which pretends to be doing something about global warming, but actually is just promises of what we'll accomplish someday. House Resolution 763 doesn't waste its time on promises. It actually does something. Yes. Okay. And what are other some other policies here that you're voting about? Are other are other of the candidacies, other uh, races going on on your ballot? Well, I'm chiefly concerned with the presidential uh, nomination, and of course, I want to keep uh, Democrats in control of the House, and if possible, get control of the Senate, so we can accomplish some of the things that need to be accomplished, like health care. Bernie is very solid on health care. Bernie is very solid on foreign policy. He doesn't think the Israelis should be allowed to invade Palestine, violating international law. He's just uh, a good, solid man to support. For those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to a special edition of Ask a Voter. My guest is Newport Beach resident, retired computer designer, and KBFK board member, Alan Beek. And we're giving the classic Ask a Voter questions today. So, Alan Beek, tell us, is there anything that is different you've experienced with this stepped-up primary three months earlier than it's been in the history of California. No, I have no comment to make about that. I didn't follow it. You didn't? Okay, so they haven't been, you haven't been getting lots of posters and lots of flyovers over the over Balboa or uh, more attention than you've gotten in when we were only a primary in June? Not, not more attention in some fashions? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Okay, the question, Alan Beek, I'm sorry, is if you have not noticed that there's been more attention paid, there's been more laps that candidates have made, uh, uh, the national candidates have made through here, through Orange County and and California as a whole. You've not seen... Of course, Orange County is kind of phenomenal in that we were always represented by five Republicans, and now all of a sudden we're represented by five Democrats, that's a big change. And, you know, there's another thing that, about Orange County you don't hear much about, but throughout the rest of the country, when people get to work on figuring out how to clean up their water supply, they say, well, why can't we just be like Orange County? Because Orange County filters 100% of its drinking water, and the, other, the rest of the country wishes it could be that good. Yes, it's a it is working with the tertiary treatment. It made a big investment in it some 15 to 18 years ago. So it, it is it is showing in that there's there's even more progress we can make and that that I save for when I have my water activists on when we talk about even tightening it up with the the closed loop. We'll we'll talk I'll bring that up at at later shows. So well Alan Beek, it's been a real pleasure having you on Ask a Voter today. Thank you for for taking the time. It's a pleasure. Okay, thanks again. All the best. Alan Beek is a resident of Newport Beach, weighing in with his voting since 1948. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Don't go away.
Well, this time we're going to do this with feeling. I want to thank everybody. Ladies, you're, let's turn. Let's, uh, we're, we're, you're there. Okay. We didn't get Alex Loniak, so we did try to represent college Republicans, but if college Republicans are not responsive, it's not my issue. It's theirs. So we tried, folks. So now, thanks for listening. Welcome back to Ask a Voter. My next guests are radio KUCI colleagues kind enough to weigh in with their voter stories, Sophie Prettyman-Beauchamp and Angelica Sheen. Sophie graduated last spring as a film studies major. She's working at Data Storage Company as a video editor in addition to working on scripts for of her own short films. And I mean, she's written and directed five student short films, including a Queen Bohemian Rhapsody-inspired musical, an indie rom-com, family drama, and two experimental queer films. She's now expanding her sights into radio and music, journalism, and Angelica Sheen completed her BA in psychology last December and is taking a gap year to explore her graduate school options, such as more creative artistic paths, perhaps with, within academia. She continues to investigate the relationships between psychology and technology, hoping to continue her undergrad work with video games in the future. Currently, she's working at Onica, an AWS cloud management company, volunteering as the college outreach chair for the DCRIM CA to advocate for statewide voting in the decriminalization of psilocybin. Angelica's radio handle is DJ Ange. Her show, Glass, can be heard Wednesday nights, 10 to midnight. And Sophie's show, Beach Days, can be heard on Fridays, 10 to noon. Sophie and Angelica, from different places, they come to us from Irvine. Welcome to Ask a Voter, Sophie Prettyman Bochamp and Angelica Sheen. Thank you, Claudia. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on. This was, uh, this was a little doing here, and live radio and public affairs is so much different than being a music DJ that nobody knows but PA hosts. That's just the way it is. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've got on Ask a Voter, I've got my classic questions I'm asking everybody. I'm trying for all stripes. Some of the stripes have dropped off the suit, apparently. So let's ask both of you. And so let's start with Sophie. When did you first register to vote, and what were the circumstances? at the time? Well, I first registered to vote when I turned 18 because I was finally able to and I wanted to make sure that I could make my voice heard if I needed to. And then the 2016 election was coming up and I really saw a candidate I believed in in Bernie Sanders the first time around, but um, unfortunately he did not become our Democratic uh, candidate. Okay. And that those are the circumstances then. So, that was twenty. This twenty sixteen. So yes, Angelica, what's your voter story? When did you first register, and what were the circumstances at that time? Well, mine is uh, pretty similar. I registered to vote when, as soon as I was able to, when I turned eighteen, and um, I think the first election I actually got to vote for was uh, it was either a midterm election or like a local election because. I turned 18 in December, so um, it wasn't. It was right after uh, the November run, but I think I was still able to vote for um, in the 2016 presidential election. So I kind of had my hand in local elections first, and kind of reading up on that before I had the opportunity to vote in, in the big in the big wigs um, the next or the next November. So it was interesting. I was always interested in politics, like in high school and stuff. So I was really excited to finally get to 
have my name on the ballot and like do all that stuff. Okay, and so let's start, uh, go back to Sophie. Why are you voting today? We got a big ballot, so uh, cover as much of that as you'd like. Alrighty. Well, I actually already voted. Okay, I walked good. in the rain to my nearest voting mm-hmm. center this past weekend, and um, I just think that with the results of the 2016 election, that was really eye-opening for a lot of the country about where we're at socially and politically in terms of people's thoughts on LGBTQ rights, um, race, a lot of issues, health care especially. So I actually went and cast my vote again for Bernie Sanders because I'm very encouraged by his platform, his Medicare for All um, plan and whatnot. He's got a lot of different policies that I really believe in, and he's the candidate who I find has had the most consistent record, unlike some of the others who have flipped the script in recent years or who seem to have a history of more conservative policies that I don't really agree with and that I don't think have everyone's best interests in mind. And I think it's really it was really important to vote because there are a lot of people who don't take the time to vote, and they think that it's the least of their concerns. They think that it's something that doesn't really concern them. And it's that really blows my mind because we are much closer to – a lot of us are much closer to – becoming homeless or being in a situation where we would need Medicare and all these different policies and services, then we are closer to being billionaires. Angelica? Yeah. Um, I Why mean, are you voting today? I love what you said, Sophie, about um, being encouraged by Bernie's platform, because that's exactly how I feel, too. At first, um, I was a little bit nervous because in 2016, he did not get the, you know, the primary nomination and I was like oh my gosh what are we going to do in 2020 like we can't go through this again and some of the issues that I'm really impressed by the consistency and like the um just yeah just the the general platform and the awareness that's being brought to certain issues um like the Medicare for all and also the um responsible foreign policy because that's something that I've like I was saying in in high school um I was in a lot of the, you know, AP Gov and AP U.S. History classes, and we're always talking about how the states are always getting involved in foreign policy affairs that, you know, I'm going to save it, but they may or may not be our business. And a lot of things that um, Bernie's been saying are the most encouraging for me to hear that, you know, ending these infiltrations in countries that we don't necessarily need our noses in. Um, and also, of course, the Medicare for All plan, it hits a little more close to home because most of my family members have some sort of, you know, longstanding medical situations. Um, my sister has diabetes and autism, mm. and my mom has rheumatoid arthritis. Um, both of my parents are well into their 60s, and they need lots of health care, and we've never had insurance due to the nature of my parents' work, so having to pay out of pocket for everything ever since I was little, I definitely can see the impact that the insurance uh, business as a business has impacted my family. And I can only imagine how it's impacted families less um, 
fortunate than mine or in different situations than mine because it it's just a really painful thing to see people in like really crippling medical debt and that's something that's really important to me um, that I'm voting on. Okay and I'm picking up very quickly about the civics part that Andrew's talking about with the the AP government courses and all that I'm, I'd like to know did both of you find you could participate all the way down ballot did you were you familiar with and you could participate there? Yes. Both of you? Um, yes. Okay. Definitely. Okay. We did our research. All right. Well, good. That's great. So, tell me. Start. We'll start with Angela's time. Angelica, what is different with having the California primary three months earlier than usual? Have you noticed anything um, different? Yes. Yes. It's a little bit um, because it's three months earlier. It feels, in a way, a little more rushed. If that makes sense. I was like, oh wait, I don't have the same amount of time that I thought I did. Um, and also, but I like the extension of, um, I don't know if it's just California or a county, maybe you can help me uh, remember what it is, but the um, time to vote has been extended a little bit. So there were some folks that were able to vote on weekends, which is not something that I knew was an option um, last time. Is that correct? There were more centers where people could vote early, but there there was yes. early voting at the, out of the the registrar voters office that one location in San Anton, but there were many voting centers where people could begin 11 days earlier and then yeah and and yeah so it, it that was very new but it was a way of compensating for the fact that there were fewer yeah, locations early. And, and it was trying to give everybody a chance to do all their dress rehearsals so there were no surprises on election day yeah, I definitely appreciate that they did that. It seems like they've got their stuff a little bit more together. <laughs> um, and it seems like they were kind of setting it up for success rather than kind of scrambling. Well, as the registrar voters said at a forum at uh, UCI Law School last week, is it wasn't his idea to have this rollout of a new program with also a three-month stepped-up primary. He had all these things going on. It wasn't how he would have administered it but it just and so he's he's actually done a pretty phenomenal job trying to use every resource he had to keep reminding us and leading our hand through here so sophie anything you've noticed that's different about the three month earlier primary in california i mean i think that it's kind of further helps democratize the voting process with consideration to um working class folks and students it gives them more of mm -hmm. a window to figure out what is most flexible for them and go out and vote. So I'm hoping there will be a higher voter turnout. And I also think that it's given people, people feel like they have a lot more time to think and process facts. And I think that it's given people a lot of time to rethink some of their decisions on who they think is best or research policies more, which they could have been doing all along. But I feel like now that there's this window where we can – go and vote whenever we want, kind of seemed to get people talking and engaging with each other in different ways than before, which I think is really interesting. And I think that with the mess that was the 2016 um, primaries, mm -hmm. which I, I submitted a, my ballot, but I had to get like a provisional ballot for some reason. And then I don't think that all provisional ballots were counted or something oh, like that. Oh, they're always counted. That, that's every every year, every season that the Red Star voters has to keep re-educating. But, but now people have their own mail-out 
ballots so that they were enabled to that that became something of a provisional ballot it came became the ballot that was the hard copy in everybody's hand prior to voting so uh, you know it was a, a way remedy but it's they're always counted they're just not counted as fast as there and that's why they wanted to get this earlier voting going getting everybody yeah. as soon as they can so they could start doing this tabulating getting ahead of this the media rush to cover the the horse race at the post-election yeah. day. So that's as a big me- deal. As the media has become more about news outlets have been more of a sport, and this is kind of watching the election feels more like I'm watching sports and entertainment than, you know, something yes. that really is important and matters. It kind of, this whole voting process seems like we're kind of taking time to slow down and troubleshoot. And I noticed when I went okay. in to vote and I had issues with, my ballot and whatnot, it was fixed right then and there. And it was all exactly. really quick and easy. Voting really doesn't really, it doesn't take up much well, of ladies, your time at all. That's all the time, unfortunately, we have. I want to thank you for being on KUCI. These are my KUCI colleagues, DJ Sophie Prettyman-Bocham and Angelica Sheen. will return after a short station break with the Better Angels. Uh, Randy Niaz, he's the state director for that. And thank you, ladies, for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Claudia. Yeah, that was Charles... Loniak reminding us the stuff that Jimi Hendrix put out there uh, back in the day at Woodstock. So welcome back to Ask a Voter. My final guest is Randy Liaz, Director of Better Angels California, a nationwide organization focused on reducing political polarization. As coordinator for the Southern California, he leads a team of 60 volunteers plugging away all points between San Diego and Paseo Robles. And he's a product of Long Island, New York. He completed his economics degree at Duke and his MBA at the University of Michigan. He worked in the auto industry for 15, over 15 years before joining the Better Angels. I think of all my guests, Randy's the only one who's voted mainly outside of California, and we'll maybe get to a chance to explore that in the brief time we have left for the show. He's joining me in studio today. Welcome to Ask a Voter, Randy Liaz. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, thank you. I want to find out from you, when did you first register to vote, and what were the circumstances around that? So uh, I registered to vote uh, when I turned 18 in 1998. And, uh, you know, Bill Clinton was president. Uh, things felt pretty stable and, and maybe a little bit boring. Uh, but my, so my first. If you real... were white, they were boring. <laughs> there were, the people yes, of color, had, right. they had some policies that had a bob. And you're you're absolutely right. I um, mean that. Yeah, I, I did grow up on Long Island in New York and in, in a relatively uh, sheltered enclave. Uh, so I, I indeed was, uh, I think, sheltered from a lot of the, you know, what, what was going on in the rest of the country. So for me, things did indeed feel stable. And my first real vote, speaking of, you know, voting outside of California, my first real vote was uh, the 2000 election, Bush v. Gore, and I was studying abroad. And 
I actually had to cast an absentee ballot. How, where were you? What, where? I was in Spain. You Okay, so yes. I wanted to know where it was. In some, how remote? Okay, yeah. Spain. Okay. So I cast Not an absentee remote. ballot, and I had to watch all of this play out from abroad, and it was a surreal experience. And this was, of course, before the time where we were all connected all the time. Uh, I had a Spanish cell phone that had a rudimentary version of the internet on your phone. It was called WAP, WAP, Wireless Application Protocol. And I was trying to follow the news on that thing, and it was, it was kind of tough. Uh, but it was just bizarre to watch my first election, my first presidential election, having influence in to play out that way. Actually, I'm going to quickly say my first presidential, I was... It was way, it was McGovern was on the ballot. Ah. And I was an exchange student in Denmark, and I had to watch German TV to look mm. at uh, in this, as early as I could get up to start watching those returns. So that's, it's actually not, not yeah. far from what you're talking yeah, absolutely. about. Absolutely. So why are you voting today, Randy? What are, what's going on with you with the yeah. ballot? Yeah. So I dropped off my ballot yesterday. Uh, it was really nice and convenient. And I, I do like the changes that have been made to uh, California's electoral infrastructure. Um, but for me, politics has become such a personal thing, uh, particularly lately. You mentioned that I had worked in the auto industry for uh, the better part of two decades. And uh, now with Better Angels, I'm steeped in politics uh, more than ever. I talk about it every day. And, you know, I, I get the feeling that the choices that we make are more important than ever. And, uh, you know, that's just my, my feeling from where I exist in this kind of place in history. But, you know, you can, you can tell that the reason for the existence for our organization is that, you know, this climate is created by, by the idea that the stakes are so high and people are so passionate about what's going on right now that they, it leads to a phenomenon that we call affective polarization. Affective, break Affective. that all the way down. The yeah, so so short. you know, regular polarization we don't see as a particularly bad thing. It's if we have distinct policy choices that we disagree on, at least we have a democracy of you know a marketplace of ideas. Uh, but with affective polarization, it, it goes well beyond just our disagreements. It goes to the mistrust, the disgust, and contempt that we develop for people on the other side. We start to have these cognitive distortions where we assign very negative motives to people who disagree with us. And we say, even if they do the same things that we do, we say they're doing it for the wrong reasons while we're doing it for the right reasons. And, and then we go beyond, so beyond demonization even, to dehumanization and to where we deny the value of the people, uh, the, the human worth of the people who disagree with us. And we start to just believe that they are not worthy of our time, that, that we shouldn't even be talking to them anymore. And I think that's a destructive place to get to. So like the uninf hashtag uninformed voter, hmm. is that is that the, a, a toxic sort of um, piece of work for you? Well, that's a, we're saying the other the other voter that doesn't agree with me is an uninformed voter. Yeah, I, I, or is I there mean, something said for that? It, you know, there there's people are so focused on right now on on the idea that the other side is ignoring all the facts or making up their own facts. And of course, I, I, you know, I'm a pretty dedicated uh, progressive. Uh, you know, I make no, uh, you know, I don't try to hide my. Uh, my leanings at Better Angels. But what I do try to understand is that we have a different perspective on what the important facts are 
than uh, the people on the other side. And we can pick and choose those facts that, that back up what we believe. So we don't necessarily believe in falsehoods. You know, I, I think that there are falsehoods that, that uh, people believe in that I get very angry about. But the fact you is... You do. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I certainly do. I needed that validation, Randy. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I certainly do. A lot of us do. I certainly do. But, uh, but I think it's just as important to recognize that there are equally proven out facts that, that different sides focus on and it leads to different conclusions. And, and one of the examples that we give uh, sometimes in, in workshops is when we talk about uh, violence in our, our cities. Uh, you know, over the past 40 years, there's been a very steady decline of violence. And, uh, and people on the left, I think, have, have harnessed that, uh, that idea and said, we, we need criminal justice reform and we need to, to, to treat uh, violent offenders differently, uh, and we have the room to uh, expand those policies and to to make them uh, more productive. But that when we talk about that, though, when decriminalizing or uh, in uh, lesser incarcerating sort of solutions, now we're we're learning that a lot of towns that have penal institutions are like the major employer. It's not a matter of philosophic differences. It's people don't want to lose that local treasury uh, asset. You know, so it's sort of like, man, it's this going to be a hard sell for decriminalizing various uh, offenses and and bringing keeping households intact. But it means that 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 jail that brings money to the city's coffers isn't doesn't exist anymore. And name your red region, your red county, your red municipality. Yeah, I, I mean, there's uphill. there's so many different trade offs that we have to. Uh, consider with all of our policy decisions, but the the point that I was uh, getting back to is, you know, w one of the other facts that informs the uh, the tough on crime Republicans that you know Trump has has tried to right. present himself as such. That crime is and and that in 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 our cities over the past two years, crime has gone up in a significant way, and so that informs them in a very different way from the forty year trend that Democrats tend to lean on, right? So, um, okay. so it's, it's not necessarily, and I, so I think what's important to recognize there is that each side continues to accuse the other side of operating in bad faith, and I think that we need to step back from that, and we need to say, look, we, they believe sincerely the things that they say. Uh, they may be coming from different motivations and different uh, sources of information, but it doesn't mean that they are trying to lie to us directly. And I know that there are exceptions to this, right? I, I, I am a, a, a committed progressive, as I said, right? And, and I think that there are things that have gone on on the, on the other side that I'm not happy with. But at, at the same time, I have to be circumspect about these general trends. And I think that people in general are good, and I think that applies to people on both sides, and we, we've lost sight of that, and that's what our, our group is focused on, is bringing people from both sides together to recognize that we are fundamentally good people, and when we see people face-to-face, -face, it really reinforces through those relationships that we, are, we want the same good things for our communities, for our country, for our families. Uh, so there's a lot that ties us together. So I I just talked at a citizenship fair last Saturday, where a, a Salvadoran national who's who's in the process of being naturalized actually she's she's actually further than anybody else in that room but but she was saying 
everybody in her husband's family are Trump supporters. And but and I say, but what about you? And she says, well, they say, but she's different. They they ex- take exception. So it's that, you know, she's I don't know that she's making any inroads because they're, they're just sort of compartmentalizing. That's their daughter in law. She's cool. But all the other Salvadorans, we don't want to hear from them kind of thing. So yeah. let's collapse the, the question. The last question uh, mm-hmm. in the, uh, as we draw down in our time together here is taking your charter and putting it in. How does this early primary seem different to you, Randy Liaz? Yeah, so I, I it definitely does feel distinctly different because of the general electoral calendar. Uh, you know, if we remember four years ago, uh, some of the news outlets were already calling the election for Hillary, uh, the primary election for Hillary, before California even got a chance to vote. And so that felt fairly disenfranchising, right? Um, and this year, we were given a chance to... Uh, to see some of these things play out, uh, but but still to have a more significant say in this primary election. I was actually on the phone with my brother, who is a uh, he's a progressive activist. Um, he works for a think tank called Demos in D.C. And he, you know, I value his opinion so much, and so I wanted to hear his thoughts about the strategy of of how I should vote and and. Um, and as we were on the phone, literally as we were on the phone, the, the, the news came through about Mayor Pete dropping out. Uh, and it was, it was an interesting, uh, threw an interesting wrench into our conversation. But ultimately, he gave me some, uh, some pretty good advice. And he said, uh, you know, just vote for who you want to be president and I was like, wow, that's, yeah, yeah. okay, I, I can think of it that way. And so, so what I wanted to say about that is, you know, I, I'm not particularly happy with, the, uh, with, with uh, Bernie versus Biden as, as our choice, and I voted for Elizabeth Warren. And I think that it's important that we talk about those choices with each other. Uh, one of the important points is that, uh, you know, in our families, we are so afraid to talk about what we believe because we're, we're going to challenge those relationships. So, so that Salvadoran family, they, they probably don't talk that much about, uh, about what they believe together. And that's why they just they, they, uh, don't understand her viewpoints. Right. So that's that's my belief. about. So, things. Randy, you're going to get your due later. We're going to give you like at least a half hour, maybe the whole a full long format at a full hour show to talk about this because it's this is really hard work for all of us to do and I I want to thank you for being on Ask a Voter today. Randy Liaz, the director for Better Angels here on Ask a Voter. Thanks very much. Thank you. We're going to close out the show with Christian Sands' Fight for Freedom. UCI has a pop-up voter center on campus if you haven't already voted. Oh, and remember to consider voting even down ticket candidates. They all matter, folks. To quote one pithy contribution last week, you can opt out of the voting process, but you cannot opt out of the outcome. Well, that's my wrap. Next week, we're going to have Jane Page back with her play she's now producing in March, Living Out, and I've got a call into the Orange County Department of Health's epidemiology staff for obvious reasons. Talk with you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to vote. Mm